Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Penny C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, August 20th, and this is a 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book. We're in the chapter We Agnostics on page 48. We'll be reading the fourth paragraph, which begins with the prosaic steel girder. Today's readers are Rocky E. for the 12 Steps, Marie J. for the 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text will be Maura Z., Lisa H., and Marie J. The newcomer greeted today is Jody E., and the host for the second hour is scheduled to be Sima M. The reference numbers for yesterday, uh, Monday, August 19th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting, 13292, that's 13,292. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Meeting, 13,294. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose is this. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And now I'm going to ask Rocky E. to say the, or read the 12 steps for us. Thank you, Penny. Good morning, all. Rocky E. from New York, compulsive overeater. All right, 12 steps. Number one, we admit we are powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to each person wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us. 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service, Penny. Have a good day, visionary. Thank you, Rocky E. And now Marie J. will read the 12 traditions for us. Thanks. This is Marie J., recovered in Colorado. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal inventory, sorry, personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion, We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, Marie J. And now here's how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 again to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in the chapter, We Agnostics. We're on page 48, the fourth paragraph that begins with the prosaic steel girder. And Maura Z will begin that reading for us. Good morning, Maura. 
Good morning, Penny C. Thank you for your service. Good morning, Maura Z. Recovered in Virginia by God's grace and mercy. The prosaic steel girder is a mass of electrons whirling around each other at incredible speed. These tiny bodies are governed by precise laws, and these laws hold true throughout the material world. Science tells us so. We have no reason to doubt it. When, however, the perfectly logical assumption is suggested that underneath the material world and life as we see it, there is an all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence, right there our perverse streak comes to the surface and we laboriously set out to convince ourselves it isn't so. We read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments thinking we believe this universe needs no God to explain it. Were our contentions true, it would follow that life originated out of nothing, means nothing, and nowhere. And Penny, I forgot to set my timer. Would you please watch for me? So we've got all these things going on on this planet things that we cannot see, things that we don't understand. I have a beautiful garden in my patio. I've got plants growing. I've got plants dying. I have little critters that come to visit. All of these things, I have no problems believing they are given by God. None. No problems whatsoever. But there were times in my life when I had every doubt that if there were such a being, it, weren't, it was not concerned with me and my little life. There are others that I've spoken to over the years that have doubts that there is such a being at all. I've never doubted God's existence. I'm grateful for that. I just had a problem thinking that he would be interested in my little, you know, life and my fat and my food and all of the other craziness going on in it. I have no doubt when it comes to believing that if I'm holding my book, these pages made from paper, which come from trees, I have no problems understanding that there is a, a how do they put it here? An all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence that had everything to do with creating those trees. If I look at my life, as I mentioned yesterday, if I look at my life and I look at the, the trials and tribulations that I've gone through, losing half my family in the course of three years, um, you know, I, I screamed at the top of my lungs when my sister was taken because my mom was in hospice. And I'm like, you took the wrong one, you son of a bitch. What do you got going on here? You know, I had plenty of reasons then to doubt that there was any kind of all-powerful guiding force. But when I come down to it, because I've read this book, because I've worked these steps in the order they're written, because I worked with someone in whom the problem has been solved, I have come to know God. Not just believe that he exists, but know that he's working in my life. I've seen the results in other people's lives. I've seen them transcend tragedies. I witnessed yesterday someone letting go and allowing herself to feel, to feel a pain so deep. It was an amazing experience. 
I was honored by her vulnerability. We were able to have that conversation, to be there for each other, because there is an all-powerful guiding creative intelligence underneath it all. I have no doubts anymore. We can be human beings to each other. When we lose our way, when we get far enough from God that we don't see him anymore. That's time, Maura. Thank you. The question I have to ask myself is, who moved? Thanks, Penny. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Maura Z. And now we're going to begin taking some names for sharing. Uh, The suggestion is, and it is a suggestion, that if you've shared in the last day or two, um, consider allowing uh, some new voices to be heard this morning. And so uh, I'm going to do my best to hear whoever wants to share. Who would like to? Irene B. Katie G. from Boston. Nancy P. P. P or T? P. Sam in North Carolina. Did I hear male voice? Larry K. Jerry. Larry. Katie G. from Boston. I heard you, Katie. How about who? Initial was C. I heard someone whose last initial was C. Oh, that's North Carolina. Irene B. Irene B, I've got you. Here's who I have. Maura Z, Irene B, Kathy, I don't have your last initial, Nancy P, Jerry, and I thought I heard Larry, and then it was just confirmed, Larry K. That's the lineup for right now, please. Okay, so let's get started with Irene B. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And this is Irene B, gratefully recovering, recovered bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This reading is a little bit baffling, and I love the previous share. I hope that's not cross-thought, but um, but that coincides with what I wanted to share today, that um, the tie is that I believed in God, then I didn't believe, I saw him, and uh, at some point, I gave up and I just moved away for two reasons. I didn't want to be punished, and he didn't care. And I moved so far from him for so many years in uh, my teenage years. And then I became bulimic. And then I was desperate, and I was at a treatment center, and then that's when I came back to God. But he had been there the whole time, and I didn't know it, and I thought he didn't care about me, but yet he protected me from so much. But with the mind of a child, I did not understand how much this power of the universe was protecting me. All I know that, you know, at first I used to wish and, and ask God, God, give me all the candy in the world, all the yummies in the world. <laughs> I mean, how crazy is that? Just a kid. And then I got fat and rejected because of my weight. My father, the, 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 the worst thing you could be was fat. And that was painful. And the world didn't like fat. 
so then I pray to God, please, 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 um, you know, make me skinny. And, you know, he didn't deliver, you know, but that's not who God is. So I thought he didn't care about me. And then on top of that, I read the Old Testament, and that that God was a punishing, angry God. And then, man, I had recurring nightmares of going to hell. I was scared out of my wits. And I tried so hard to be a good girl, and I couldn't because I was on self-reliance. And I just wanted peace and comfort. And I knew that it could come from God, but I didn't know how to get there. And I just thank God for this program that teaches me how to get close to God so I can access his power and his love, and he is love. And I didn't understand that. I thought he was judgment and punishment, but that's not who he is. He is love, grace, acceptance. And he never, ever, ever gives up on us. And I'm so glad that he never gave up on me. And I thought for sure he would. I mean, I would, but he didn't. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Irene B. And I think I said Kathy when I meant Katie. Katie G., are you there? Yep, I thought. (laughs) Hang on one second. I need like five seconds. Okay. All right. Thanks. Good morning. I just thought it wasn't God's will. All right. This is KDG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. And um, what this paragraph really hit home for me was about my ego, right? Like, (laughs) there can be a God as long as he's not taking my place. And I remember when I went to college, I came back and nobody could talk. I know that's shocking, but I was reading wordy books and indulging in windy arguments. And windy to me was like they had no depth and weight. They had no volume. Nothing was supporting it, right? And, um, you know, this is all about arguments. And in in the back of the book we read last week, There is a principle that will never fail to keep me in everlasting ignorance, which is disdain, contempt, argumentativeness, like that I'm the I know guy, right? Like I know everything um, prior to investigation. (laughs) And so it's telling me, Katie, there's one thing that's going to block you, and that is your ego. I mean, and and for me, coming into step two, uh, well, coming to step one, I, I had to have my ego smash. Like, what do you mean I can't get in the ring with food and exercise? What do you mean I'm abnormal around socially sanctioned purchases that I can make at the 7-Eleven? You know, and thank you, God, like the three words that I never wanted to say I don't know, or how about help me, or how about tell me what to do? You know, this disease had to badly mangle me to the point where all I knew was that what I was doing was not working. What I was doing was not working over and over and over again. And that is, that's the only thing that brought me to admit, okay, uncle, there must be something else besides KDG running this universe. 
You know, and I get to watch for that. As a recovered woman today, I get to watch for the emergence of my ego. Like, how am I telling you how you should live your life? Yeah, you know, I think that you've been running your life pretty successfully without me, but you know, here's what I think you should do, right? Like, if it's my husband or um, people around me, or, you know, I start playing God when life isn't looking the way I want it to, right? And, and I got to tell you, as a recovered woman, there's no um, tinsel, right? Like, I am so blessed by um, abstinence and by a solution today and by a relationship with power. But the only way I get to that power is to uncover, discover, and discard the I know guy, right? Like things may be ugly. I don't know. Maybe it's ugly. Maybe it isn't. But I know that there's something bigger than me that, that's running this universe. And for me, again, that, that continues to require the, the smashing of my ego. So thanks for allowing me to share with that. Thank you, Katie G. And next we have Nancy P. Morning, Nancy. Nancy P, can't hear you. Hi, can I be heard? Now I can. Good for you. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Took me by surprise. Um, Yeah, Nancy P calling from Newton, Massachusetts. So this prosaic steel girder, the whole paragraph is puts the, I mean, we've talked about it in different ways over the past several days. Um, Basically that it's, you know, I have to let go. My way isn't working. You know, how's it been going for you, Nancy? How, you know, and I spent decades looking at other women, other people saying, how come them and not me? And never thinking that it was about belief. And in in fact, I still, you know, whether or not I believe it doesn't really matter. All I have to do is surrender. That's, you know, it doesn't really matter about belief to me. It didn't because, you know, I had shared before about my, how I shared my ugly secret with my, um, you know, with my sponsor about how I wasn't even sure it was going to work for me because I wasn't sure I believed in God. I didn't think I did. Um, and so what I have is data. And the data is that my life is completely different. And another piece of data is that, I left to my own devices, I was headed in exactly the opposite direction as now and left to my own devices. My devices haven't changed. They're still going to take me in the wrong direction. So it doesn't matter to me if I believe. I Today, I no longer care. All I care about is that I am working in service of this thing, whatever it is that seems to be doing the job for me in, you know, in a bang up fashion. And, um, you know, I was I was sort of looking through the book. There was another piece that I that I wanted to refer to, but I'll, and I'll just paraphrase. It says, you know, um, when we talk about a, a higher power, you know, as lay people, it, um, we're not as scientists, we're not medical people, but as you know, as alcoholics, we it makes a lot of sense. And you know, when I take people through, you know, the first three steps, I I say, let's think about that. And, you know, I'm I'm a big one. I used to read Sherlock Holmes when I was a little girl. And the Holmesian method that's still used in police departments all around the world is just this. Whenever you have considered all of the facts, all of them, and you discount the impossible, whatever's left, however improbable, must be the truth. And so I say, let's think about that. Was it a fairy godmother make me eat or stop me from eating and sprinkle fairy dust on me? Did somebody tie me up in a room and 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 not let me near food none of those is true so 
So that's the impossible. So the improbable, however improbable, must be the truth, um, is that there's a power outside myself that took care of it for me. And um, and today, I just that's like a rock for me. I don't have any I don't have any doubts, but I still don't care whether or not I believe. I just know that that it, whatever it was, I had nothing to do with it. And neither is anything. Neither did anything else that I can put my actual hands that I can hold actually in my hands. So um, you know, it works for me. And you know, I haven't hurt myself with food in almost two years, and I continue to grow spiritually. I continue to grow. Um, so it's, I'm good. You know, I I don't have any complaints. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy P. And next up is Jerry. And please tell us your initial of your last name, Jerry. Jerry, can't hear you. Okay, one more time. Jerry, press star one. Penny, I think that was Larry, actually. Okay, thank you. I wrote Jerry and Larry. There was no Jerry, it was just Larry. Okay, go ahead, Larry Kay. Hi, this is Jerry. Um, (laughs) Hey, Penny, good morning. It's so hard to hear people, right? It's so hard to hear. Um, thanks for hearing me. I appreciate it. Thanks, Penny. Um, so, you know, I, I'm going to focus on where it says in the paragraph, we read wordy books and indulge in windy arguments, thinking we believe this universe needs uh, no God to explain it. You know, for most of my life, if there was any, um, you know, altar that I worshipped at, um, it was most certainly the altar of, of accomplishment and intellectual pride and and that sort of thing. And, and, and I, you know, we had much knowledge, but no room real, really for compassion. You know, just the, you know, the pride, the prideful ability to debate and argue. And so I, I bring, I, I brought that to this program. And I'll tell you how that served me. It, it, it helped to keep me blocked off and to stay in the struggle. And I'm reminded of what um, what Tolstoy said of intellect, because I think it relates, it, well, it helps me. He said, not only the pride of intellect, but the dishonesty of intellect. He said, yes, indeed, the dishonesty and the trickery of intellect. You know, learning, so for me, learning with no capacity for humility, you know, it falls flat. And the question that I had to face at some point in this program was, Am I allowing false pride of intellect refuting that God could be the underlying totality of it all, some sort of creative force? Could I be allowing that pride to keep me from having a fuller experience of change? Because that's what these steps offer, a fuller experience of change. Had we given up our intellectual struggle earlier, perhaps our agony would have been spared. And that was my experience. You know, maybe we've lost some weight or gained weight or whatever was necessary. And, and, but where is my emotional sobriety? Because this, these steps, this program offers that. What is it, you know, about our, our, you know, hereditary habit of relying on our personal strength and willpower, you know, with its safeguards that never allow us to become untethered to self because I remain tethered to self. And this fight keeps us in a self-imposed prison. And it's a prison of our own making. And coming to believe in a power greater than myself was, an, it was, you know, it was unanticipated. It was an unanticipated springboard to a new life. I didn't see it coming. You know where I see greatness in you, Penny? 
and others. Oh my gosh, I see your nearness to greatness when you're brimming over with humility and kindness and acceptance. That's where I see your greatness. That's what these steps offer ultimately. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Larry Kay. And now I'm ready to take, let me tell you where we're um, at though first. We have been reading from page 48, the fourth paragraph that starts with this prosaic steel girder. And now I'm ready to take more names. Who else Shannon, would like North to? North Carolina. Mary B. Phoenix, Arizona. Carolina. Who's from North Carolina? Shannon Mary B. from North Phoenix, Carolina. Arizona. Shannon. Tina S. Tina S. Mary B. Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, all I have, way in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I heard Nessa in the first group and I didn't write her name down. Nessa, you want to share too? Please, thank you. Okay, let's, let's, I'll put Nessa down. So I have Nessa, I have Shannon and Tina. Who else? Mary B. Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> Can you hear me? Who is this? Mary B. Phoenix, Arizona. Thank you, Charles. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Mary B. down. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. I have, this is how who I have. If Nessa is here, she'll be first. Shannon, Tina, Mary B. David N. David M. Thank you, David. N as a nation. Thank you. Okay, one more time. Is Nessa here? Well, let's go on to Shannon. Good morning, Shannon. I'm here. I'm here. I'm just unmuting. You want me to share now? Who is this, Nessa? Yes. Yeah, go ahead, Nessa, and you'll be followed by Shannon. Go ahead. Hi, this is Shannon from North Carolina. Um, can you hear me? Shannon, we're going to have Nessa. I'm sorry for all this mix-up, everybody. Nessa first, and then you'll be after her, okay? Okay, I'll mute. Thank you. Nessa, go ahead. Thank you. I think that was, that was uh, a lot to gather in. You're, you're amazing. Uh, this is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. And what all these stories, all these examples, rather, in this chapter remind me of is the fact that I don't need to understand God, and I don't need to be able to see God to know what he can do, uh, because I can see his effects. You know, um, the first proof that God could and would uh, restore me to sanity if I got out of his way uh, was when I first met the, the woman who would become my sponsor, you know, and this was, um, I don't know, eight and a half, maybe nine years ago. I have uh, about a little bit over seven and a half years of, uh, of recovery. And um, I came into, into a meeting, and, I, and I, I, a new meeting for me, and I saw this woman who not only was in a normal body, which in and of itself was, was proof enough for me, uh, and was very attractive, for me because 
I was I was almost 200 pounds, um, and I'm very short at five foot one. So I was very, very obese and, and heavy and discouraged and demoralized. Um, and I was living in my head thinking that um, the reason I felt like this and looked like this is because my life sucked. And I had all these challenges. I had all these, you know, financial issues, issues my children bickering and not getting along and, you know, you name it, like all the usual stuff. Um, and I thought those were the reasons why I felt like that and I ate like that and I looked like that. And so I see this woman in a, in a normal body who um, didn't have a perfect life uh, because none of us ever will have a perfect life. Um, and she was happy, joyous, and free. And she was coping with her challenges with equanimity, you know, knowing that God is in her life, knowing that God has her back. Um, align herself with God's will, which enabled her to be, to be joyful. And to me, that was a lot more important than the, the body, although the body definitely was what brought me in here, right? Um, this is why we say we came for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. And to me, that was proof that, that there's God there. You know, for all, those of us who struggle, like I struggled with step three, thinking, you know, uh, I believe that God could do anything, but why would God uh, divert his attention from more, in, from more important matters to deal with my petty food problems, right? But for those who struggle believing that God um, will help us out, like here for me was proof enough. Like that's all I needed to believe. I just see what God has done for those who have gone before me. And if I do what they did, then I'm going to get what they got and what my uh, my sponsor did was she became entirely abstinent. She worked the steps according to the big book. She did it quickly. Um, and when she told me, this is what you have to do, uh, I can't say that I did it all right away exactly like she told me. Um, I didn't. And I paid the consequences for it. But after a while, I got smarter. And um, I did exactly what she told me to do. And today, by the grace of God to these 12 steps, um, I am in a normal body, uh, still beset by personal challenges, but living happy, joyous, and free, and just dealing with challenges one day at a time with equanimity, not letting them bog me down, not letting them divert me from my primary goal, which is to serve God and be of service to others, which... Um, yes, so that's has time. Thank you. Which has really given me everything that I've been looking for. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa. Uh, now, Shannon, it's your turn. And you tell me your initial of your last name, please. Thank you. This is Shannon D. from North Carolina. Go ahead. Thank you. Okay. Um, so this paragraph, when I've read it in the past, I always think, oh, there's that weird part about the science, but something in the reading today when with the first share, that's, this middle sentence popped out at me in a different way, the part about underneath the material world, we see there is an all-powerful creative intelligence, and that was always buried for me. Even though I believed it, I didn't think I had access to that God. Because 
I just didn't think I mattered that much. But it was really helpful to hear about the balcony plants because I realized, yeah, even if the dying plants are part of this creative intelligence, certainly I must be. And what that does for me today, the hope that that gives me, I'm just coming off of a relapse yesterday. So that that gives me hope that by choosing my my foods today, I'm aligning my will with my God's. And I do that because I matter. And I matter because I'm one of the plants on the balcony, if you will. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Shannon D. And next is Tina S., and she'll be followed by Mary B. Good morning, Tina. Good morning, Penny. Thanks so much for your service. Tina S., Recovered Compulsive Eater, Anorexic in Florida. Grateful to be on the line. Some great shares. I love that the previous um, speaker just talked about that weird paragraph because I think about that all the time when we read this paragraph, that weird paragraph about the steel girder. Um, and, you know, and I, too, today have a different outlook on, on that page and on, on what it really uh, brings to me, you know, because it, the last sentence there where it talks about, you know, if um, – well, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, oh, that I, if our contention is true about there is no God, it would follow that life origi- originated out of nothing, means nothing, and proceeds nowhere. You know, and I felt like that when I was in the food. You know, so for me to have something different, I had to believe something different because I had believed, you know, also about, you know, I am one of academics, you know, about the scientific. Well, I was screwed because I was a drunk and, and a compulsive eater. So I had a double whammy sitting on a bar stool, um, eating in a, a, a blackout, you know, and my life was going nowhere. You know, bottom line was on my own, I wasn't able to do nothing. So this scientific thing failed me. You know, so, and I, and I stayed there for a very long time. So finally, when I was just done and I had to believe something different, because I also had believed there was a God, but didn't believe it was working in my life because the proof showed me that he wasn't, not that I, you know, had requested that he did. I demanded so, you know, so when I started to want something different, when I started to just be beaten, when I was just done, desperate, and dying, was I willing to believe anything different? And it didn't matter what it was. And I loved that one of the speakers talked about it. I just believed that my sponsor believed. I just did what she told me to do. And one day at a time, you know, putting down the food, working the steps, and having a transformation, my life today is phenomenal. You know, not everything is just hunky-dory 24-7, but I have a way of living today that no matter what happens, I can live without picking up a drink or picking up some food and living in a blackout and in the disease. And I have a God who works in my life today. And for that, I'm truly grateful. And I'll pass. Thank you, Tina S. And Mary B., it's your turn. Can you hear me, Penny? I sure can. Penny, you're an amazing woman. That's all I got to say. You do an amazing job over there at A Vision for You. Hi, my name is Mary B., and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, (laughs) wow. Um, You know, uh, yes, I am a compulsive overeater, and yes, I say yes every morning to every share. 
to everything you guys have uh, shared on the line for over two years I've been listening now. And it's amazing what you guys do. I, I could never ever thank you enough. But uh, the line I wanna comment on today is the all powerful guiding creative intelligence. Yes, I too always believed in God and in a higher power. But aside from being a compulsive overeater, I'm also an incest survivor. It was my father who raped and molested me from the time I was four years old until the time I was eight years old. The reason he stopped when I turned eight, my sister turned four that year and he went and did it to her. And uh, for all those 65 years, along with the uh, disease, I was eating over that terrible hurt. What shame I felt, uh, how the betrayal, my innocence was taken from me. Everything human, that human person needs in order to grow and live in this world was taken from me in a moment, in a moment. I didn't have any say so. But I believe today, here's the happy side to the story. There is a God of my understanding who has brought me to the point where I am healed of all of that hurt and shame. And I no longer today have to eat over that. I have forgiven my father numerous times over. After all, he was just sick like me, an alcoholic who died of alcoholism. There is not enough gratitude in my heart. My heart is busting right now with gratitude and happiness for, what, for God allowing me to find a group of people like you that I can love and share and be with every morning. I love y'all. Thanks, Penny, for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Mary B. And David N., it's time for you to speak. Yes, thank you. This is David N., uh, gratefully recovering compulsive overeater. And I am so grateful uh, that chapter two tells us there is a solution. And these 12 steps, this part of the 12 step program is like the crack into the door of finding a higher power to access the all powerful, guiding, creative intelligence of the universe. It is such an incredible part of our journey here. and. The 12 steps for me had lifted the fog to God. They had re they, the program has removed the blinders from my eyes that now I can see this God of my understanding. And this God of my understanding loves me and cares for me and provides guidance and directions. And what do I have to do? I have to ask him every day ask the god of my understanding to take away my will and help me to find your will and and help me not to be selfish not to be dishonest not to be resentful not to live in fear but to put these things down to or, or to ask god take these things away so that i can access your power so that i can access your guidance one of the most amazing examples for me about God's guidance is the monarch butterfly, the king of the butterfly world. The monarch butterfly starts out as an egg on a milkweed plant. 
it eats and eats and eats and it grows so that it has legs and it sees in black and white and it crawls on the ground. It, it goes into a cocoon and it melts. It melts into a liquid form. This is what our God can do. It melts into a liquid form and when it comes out as a, as a living insect again, its eyes has, have changed. Its legs have changed. It goes from 16 legs to four wings. It goes from seeing black and white to seeing color. And then it is given this navigation system that it can fly from North America all the way to Mexico would never have been there before. It is an amazing, there is example after example after example about impossible things that are happening all around us every day, all day long, that can only be done, only be invented, created by an all-powerful, guiding, loving, caring God. And, and I want this one. I want the one that created the universe, that put this, the, the world in motion, that everything is in perfect balance and harmony to be guiding me. Last night here in Northern Arizona, it was a beautiful view of the Milky Way. And I said, thank you, God, for the way you're guiding me today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, David. And, and now we have time for at least three more. Shears, who would like to take that, those spots? What page are you on, please? Okay, we're reading from page 48, the fourth paragraph, which starts at the bottom, the prosaic steel girder. Hello, Raquel, I hear Raquel. Who's after Raquel? Roz G. Roz G, and one more. Naomi B. And Naomi, that's, that's probably going to take us to the end. Okay, Naomi B. All right, Raquel. Good morning. Good morning, Nancy. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everybody, all my family being there. Um, it's so amazing, you know, to hear everybody's live miracles, life miracles that happen, and, and then this last year, the wonders of nature. My mother, may she rest in peace, and may all you be blessed for long lives. Uh, she... Uh, could not cut, she was such a believer that every time she cut open a tomato, if there was any of us kids or grandchildren around, she would stand there and stare at it and talk to us about, look at the seeds. Every seed has its own little space. They're not pushing each other. They're not stepping on each other. God arranged for every one of them to live in peace inside of that tomato, which we are going to eat soon and bless over. I can't, you know, I don't know I'll ever, ever get to have that, that level of tremendous amazement about God's world. But I do have, and I have amazement about what he does for me. So I want to share briefly what happened to me yesterday. I went to my doctor, and as I came out of there, at the elevator, a very old couple trudged by, and they're from another city, not from Jerusalem. And the man asked me, how does he get to the Hadassah Hospital? 
and and which bus to take and I saw that he was hardly walking and I and he said the doctor said that I have to go there right away and we just came here to breathe the good air of Jerusalem it's cool in the evening and now I have to go to the hospital so as I stood and started to explain the two buses that he has to take because thank goodness my car was stolen a long time ago so I realized that, you know, he's got even to walk to the bus. Well, I said, Let, come with me. We'll go downstairs. You need a cab. And, of course, when they said, you know, what well, it's going to cost, God blessed me and I could help them with that. But I found a cab driver who I just said to him, these two have to get there, and um, here is the money. The bus, the cab driver, whom I know from before, is a sweetheart, and immediately helped them get into the cab at which all of a sudden the man said, oh, I don't have my prayer book and I don't have my tefillin, which is the, the, the boxes that you play with, pray with on the head and the arm. And out he jumped off the cab and he's not going. We both tried to talk him into it. He, the man said, the cab driver said, you know what, I'll drop you off at the hospital and I'll take your wife to bring these things and I'll come back here and bring them to you. His wife started crying. She can't. No, because she, she'll she get lost in the city and she doesn't know anybody. The long and the short of it is that we went together, picked up his stuff, brought him to the to the hospital. And, and then on the way back, I said to the driver, well, I'll keep you in suspense. I'll tell you two days later what happened. It's incredible what happened. But just these little things. This man took me today, this cab driver took me today to my dentist where he also needed to go. I'm And I'm stopping. And and it just turned out that this cab driver and me had to meet. And it just was beautiful because he had to go to the dentist and I had to go. And so we we just, it, God makes things happen. Believe me, God makes, maybe one of these days, I'll stop doubting even a tiny, tiny little bit and just go with it. Go with it. Thank you, all my sweethearts there. Have good recoveries, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel, and thank you for telling us about that act of kindness. Roz G., it's your turn. Good morning. My name is Roz G., and I am a compulsive overeater in Palmdale, California. And I, my prayer is that this all-powerful guiding creative intelligence, which nothing is too hard for God, and a loving God who may appear in this group conscious would give us a way to be able to share without having to be the loudest to yell, because there are those of us with a quieter voice that barely get a chance. But according to this paragraph, I grew up in a, in a double kind of a double-minded um, uh, philosophy with with God and science. My father is a is a biologist. You know, human anatomy. He taught all. He taught that, and he has a very. My my father is like Doctor Spock. He's just very logical about everything. And um, I he used to talk about how you know science is science, amazing, amazing things that oh that I'm oh, echoing so it's gonna. It's hard for me to um, think when I'm echoing. Okay, it went away. Um, anyway, he used to always, you know, have an explanation for things that grew or about how our bodies changed. 
and how nature was was um was a force of everything was a force of nature but god's name was written on my heart and um i was a, i for some reason i was able to believe that there was something out there besides science i happened to believe in a in god and that god created the universe and creation and that, that it's just too impossible that things were just boomed into existence and one of my hobbies, my my favorite hobbies, and that I just I find I'm a I'm an avid gardener, and I have a garden in my backyard. And when I plant one seed into the ground, so many beautiful things come from that seed. So many beautiful things, and there's no way that I can do it. I can water it. I can make sure that I plant it in the right area. I can put fertilizer on it but I cannot grow it. And with, as with my program, I can take action. It's so important, I'm learning, for me to take action and pay attention to if I'm wilting. If I'm wilting, I need to water, like I need to make outreach calls. Or if I'm thinking about overeating or something that I want to eat really bad, I need to tell somebody about it. And all of these actions that I take, God works with me. And, and keeps and keeps me safe and protected as an abstinent person. And there's no vanity there. I used to think I could do it on my own. I didn't make outreach calls. I didn't think I needed to do that. But yes, I do. I need to be a part of this group. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Raz G. And Naomi B., you'll be our last chair for today. Thank you, Penny. Good morning, Penny. Good morning, my family. This is Naomi B., a grateful, grateful recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. And I can say ditto, ditto, all-powerful, guiding, creative intelligence. And as I'm sitting here listening to these amazing shares, and um, it brought me back to the, the moment that I heard of my my precious brother dying suddenly in January and how he had to travel from Philadelphia to Kentucky for the funeral. And But the moment that uh, sitting in the uh, sitting in the room with um, for the luncheon after the funeral, and there was my binge foods all around, and <clears throat> I sat there with a bottle of water. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me. I sat there with a bottle of water, and I never, never felt anything. I mean, I was I was numb. My my precious brother died suddenly. And there was no food that would have filled that hole, nothing. But God had his bumper all around me, kept me protected, kept me safe, and I didn't have to indulge in the food in any way at all. And I was at peace, brokenhearted, of course, that's undoubtedly, but I was at peace. And really, the fact of the matter, there would have been no food in that room that would have filled the hole. But God filled that hole. And I was, I was in a place where I, how do you describe it? Compulsive overeater, could have binged my head off, and I didn't. And I clung closely to my higher power because that's all I know to do. Thank you, God, because of this program. I'm so thankful and so grateful. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. And that just brings us up to the closing right now. Uh, thank you so much, everybody who's 
Sheed, who's been here, over 400 of us were were tuned in this morning uh, to share on this uh, and listen to this wonderful uh, literature. Um, we will now close by reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Lisa H., would you read, Our Book is Meant to be Suggestive Only? Thank you. Good morning, um, my fellows. Lisa H., recovered in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.